If all goes as planned, our nation should continue to open up over the coming weeks and months. We've been removed from being physically present at our jobs, our schools, our churches, and our familiar social settings. We all are longing to return to a more normal coronavirus-free life. One big question mark remains regarding schooling when the summer is over and the fall begins, particularly for incoming college freshmen and other returning college students. In an effort to gain some sense of what we need to be prepared for regarding higher education, we chat with the president of Geneva College, Dr. Calvin Traup, and a team of Geneva College administrators on this episode of Youth Culture Matters. From the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, this is Youth Culture Matters. If you're a parent, youth worker, educator, counselor, grandparent, or anyone else who cares about kids, we're glad you've joined us for this practical, informative, and hope-filled podcast. This is a place where together we talk and think Christianly about the rapidly changing world of today's children, teens, and young adults. Welcome everybody to another episode of Youth Culture Matters. I'm Walt Mueller here at CPYU, and we are still on our government-regulated stay-at-home order here at uh, CPYU and in our state, and so we're all working remotely here, and we have quite a lineup of people to to chat today about a topic that I've been hearing a lot about as I engage with folks, youth workers, parents, on these Zoom calls we've been doing, uh, trying to navigate this thing. And one of the questions that's been coming up a lot is, you know, what happens in the fall? Of course, parents who have been doing the online education at home with kids from kindergarten through 12th grade um, most of them have pulled their hair out by, by this point, and they're wondering, hoping, is school going to start again in the fall, wherever you are? And there's a lot of questions about what's going to happen on the college campus. I don't know, Jason, out there where you are in Spokane at Whitworth, have they made any decisions about the fall yet? They have. They've, they've decided that they're, going, that they're committed to bringing students back on campus, uh, but obviously with many new rules regulations with how that is going to look they've got to have a lot of things in place uh so we'll we'll see what happens my wife is on staff as a counselor for the the school and so they're getting updates all the time and honestly the school is trying to flex as they're getting information and i'm sure we'll hear a lot about that today so it's it's an ever-moving target is is what it seems like yeah so uh trying to get some clear answers with the data that they're given i think is is a lot of work and so i'm i I really respect the work of the people that are going to be coming on the podcast today yeah so so as i've been thinking about this and people have been asking me questions you know chris brought up chris wagner said hey we need to do a podcast on this and immediately i thought you know let's go right to the college where i spent such happy days we used to (laughs) sing that song all the time right and i thought let's get Let's get Dr. Calvin Traup, who was, at the time when I was a student at Geneva, he was, uh, man, Calvin, I don't know if I should refer to you as like a townie, or how do we say that? Your dad was on staff at the, at the school at the time, and you were a high school student. Yeah, you'd, you'd come over and I'd see you in the gym. You were a high school student. I remember you wearing your uh, Blackhawk High School varsity football jacket when you would come into the gym. And now you're the president of Geneva College. And I thought, you know, you, you, you've been in education for higher ed for a long time. Who better to bring on to, to uh, pick a brain about this than, than you? So welcome, Calvin. <laughs> Thank you, Walt. You know, uh, it's frightening how good our long-term memories are becoming, Walt. Uh, <laughs> you probably remember my high school jacket as well as I do. Uh, uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, I have been involved in Geneva College uh, for a long time. Um, and, uh, and, and, and this is a good time to be at Geneva. It's a really difficult time. It's challenging, um, um, unprecedented. Uh, but the mission of the college is so important to us, and we're getting tested um, to see what it means to be for Christ in country uh, in this moment. Um, and so uh, we're thankful. Uh, I'm thankful to be here uh, with uh, with some members of our leadership team uh, today 
Um, so we have uh, Jamie Swank, who is a Juris Doctor uh, and is our Dean of Student Development. Uh, and, and we have uh, Melinda Stevens, who's a, a Doctor of Chemistry, uh, who is our provost and um, and heads everything to do with academic affairs and is in second command in the college. And we have uh, Anthony Turner, who's a doctor of education, and he is our vice president for enrollment and marketing at the college. And so uh, we're working through all these questions and issues. A number of us were on a call um, right before this meeting thinking about details about how do we bring students back to Geneva College in a really safe and healthy way, but with a premium on face-to-face -face instruction. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm a graduate of Geneva, and, you know, this is no secret. I talk about Geneva all the time. Geneva was in incredibly formative, and I value my education there. Uh, man, it is, it is probably one of the three institutions that really – shaped me over the, the course of my life. And early on there, right out of high school, Geneva just set me on a course that I am so grateful for, you know, Christian higher education. And um, been around since 1848, right? So it's a, a, one of the older Christian colleges in the country here. And as I think about it, can, can, I, ask, can I start with this? You know, what are, you mentioned some of them, Calvin, but what are some of the unique challenges for Christian higher education, perhaps, I don't know, I, I guess we can d differentiate here as to how different institutions are handling this situation and this pandemic, but can you unpack that a little bit for us? Well, I think, Walt, that the, the challenges um, are, first of all, incredibly common. Uh, we have a radical level of uncertainty, and people are craving certainty right now. They want us to be able to say, okay, all of this chaos is over, and and now we're going to do A, B, and C the way we used to do. And from a leadership perspective, that option is just not available um, uh, because we don't know when COVID-19 is going to end. We expect resurgence, but we're not sure about it. <laughs> um, you know, so, so uh, uh, we have some historical knowledge of... Uh, pandemics, but COVID-19 is its own disease. So we, we don't know about that. So, so um, what it does is it challenges us to provide an education in the midst of it. Uh, one of our bedrocks in thinking about this is a great essay by C.S. Lewis called Learning in Wartime that he wrote during World War II. Uh, and it helps us to know this is not a bad time for education. It's a great time for education but it's not easy to do it. And so figuring out what, what colleges like Geneva have to figure out is this doesn't fit our financial model at all. Um, and so we have to think about how do we utilize resources? How do we move through this troubled moment? Uh, because we believe we have a long-term future at Geneva College. The Lord has blessed us and prepared us. Uh, everything about our college from the world's perspective is modest except for God's goodness in providing prudence and care and a deeply committed faculty, uh, deeply committed to the mission and to a ministry of education. It's not just a job for people at Geneva College. Uh, people are committed to building Christ church and building our communities for the long haul. And so there are eternal dimensions because there's eternal truth uh, involved in an education in our context. So figuring out how to maximize our community and how to tighten our belts and do that in a way that brings us out on the other side, uh, still able to conduct this ministry of education, that's the challenge. Yeah. And, and, and Calvin, I'm going to ask you, uh, go ahead and defer any of the questions that Jason and I may throw at you to the folks from the administration there who, who you brought on because uh, we'd love to hear from them too. But let me ask you, you, you said something about this is a good time for education. And in my conversations with youth workers and parents, one of the things I'm working to convince them of is this is a good time, you know, to be a, a youth worker. It's a good time to be a pastor. It's a good time to be a mom and a dad. W one of the reasons for that is we have the blessing now of time, concentrated times, void of a lot of the normal interruptions. 
around the home, you know, since we're all there together. And there is this rising uh, sense of, you know, uh, self-awareness of our spiritual needs and the questions that we have about what's going on that can, can be answered from a biblical perspective. So I see that, you know, with family and ministry. When you say this is a good time for education, unpack that a little bit. Well, one of the things that we're familiar with um, is uh, the common phrase, teachable moments. Mm. And when we think about teachable moments at Geneva, we always start with the scriptures. So you can ask a question like, what's your favorite teachable moment in the scripture and who's undergoing it? And um, uh, and so if you think about Jesus and the disciples, there's tension and problem and difficulty all along the path of Christ's ministry, and then all the way through the book of Acts. I mean, people are teaching and learning and growing under pressure. There are burdens. Um, If if we're not in a burdensome time, as a professor, I try to burden my students, not overwhelm them, but to put them in positions where they can learn, where they're being asked to do things they haven't done before in ways they haven't done them before. And I think, for, for example, of how did Joshua learn? Well, Joshua went up the mountain halfway with Moses, and for all we know from Scripture was alone, for 40 days and 40 nights, wondering in between, well, he learned a tremendous amount with Moses the whole time, and Moses was under fire. Just Joshua's his age, and then aid, and then he takes the people into the promised land, not Moses. It's these kinds of things that teach us from the scriptures that the pressures and burdens of our own days are the moments in which we learn and which things get embedded in our hearts and minds. And our loves, then, are loves that propel great Christian learning emerge in those contexts. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about, uh, and and I'm guessing some of you folks have read this book, The Coddling of the American Mind. I don't know if any of you have read that, but uh, Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff, you know, they talk about kind of what's happening on the college campus. They tend to focus on that. And one of the three great untruths that we believe here in our culture right now that certainly is is true in higher ed in many, many places is, you know, what doesn't uh, kill you will hurt you, which is the exact opposite of what we've what we hear and what we learn in the scriptures. And so, you know, I think that's what you're talking about here, Calvin, that what doesn't hurt us, we, we actually learn from. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that that. Um, uh, that my colleague could talk about um, is we have really been looking hard at questions related to Generation Z and how do we usher people into a Geneva education because we want to take into account the real experiences and places from which our students are coming in their background but where the Lord needs them to be when they leave Geneva hasn't changed <laughs> uh, and and so how we invite them in is an important question. And and what a valuable time um, for us to help them navigate these challenging moments. Um, I, I, I think that whether you're talking about um, how to come into the college and enrollment and understanding what can happen at Geneva College in a transformative ministry of education, where we're, of course, providing degrees you know, celebrating 100 years of engineering at Geneva College under Christ's reign. Um, but also, how does that work out in residence life? Uh, and, and how does it work out in the classroom on a day-to-day basis? Those are the kinds of things uh, that, that we're really grappling with. And, and, and like we talked about at the beginning, well, we do not have all the answers to this. We're working on, we're a learning institution. And so we're learning as we go. And I think students learn well when they're learning with us as we're learning, not just hearing from us as kind of experts or the sage on the stage. Can, can we hear from uh, some of the folks who are involved in administration there about uh, the before we get into some of some of the things that we can expect moving forward? And we're going to let you speak. I know specifically for Geneva, but uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of overlap with other schools. But what about looking back over the last couple of months, the response that you had to make immediately? What were some of the changes that you that you had to make 
on campus and with the way that education was delivered? I'll take a stab at that. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, we hear you. We're we're having some okay. internet issues here, so okay. so folks who are listening, we normally can see each other and somehow all our cameras went off, so we're we're running uh, just on voice here. But go ahead. Okay, thanks. This is Melinda Stevens. Um, and yeah, I apologize for the crackling uh, and the poor connectivity. Um, it has been a challenging semester, but I think, uh, as Calvin said, lots of teachable moments. Uh, and I'm, I'm really proud of the way students and faculty have adapted and demonstrated uh, resiliency through this semester. It certainly had its challenges, uh, but early on in March, we had to make the hard call um, to move everybody off campus and to uh, convert our in-classroom experience to a remote one. Uh, and this was done with faculty and students for whom the in-classroom experience was definitely um, desired uh, and online um, experience was little to none. So uh, with some training uh, that was done in a short period of time, the faculty adapted their courses to an online domain as the other institutions of education do um, in Pennsylvania and across the states. Uh, so we survived that experience for a bit, um, uh, and we're trying to plan for the future uh, for all possible future, uh, depending on contingencies. Okay, we got most of that. I know the internet's not cooperating with us real great, you know, real well here. This is kind of like uh, last week as we were recording. I know Sunday morning all these churches were using Zoom, and everybody said that Zoom shut down, which was probably a blessing in many ways because everyone says they're Zoomed out, which leads yeah. to another question that I want to ask, and that is about, you know, what was that like? What's that experience been like educationally in terms of the effectiveness of being out of the classroom and moving solely to an online experience. I know a lot of schools, a lot of degrees were doing that long before this pandemic arrived, but there were a lot of questions about that. Parents are asking about that because they know that some of their graduating high school seniors, if they do in fact go ahead as planned to start school in the fall, that may be the, the platform that they use. They may be still at home and not on uh, on campus. So if, if someone would speak to that. This is Calvin. Uh, you know, I, I think it's really interesting because we have been getting uh, a lot of messages and been in conversation with parents. And one of the fascinating things that you could never accomplish if you're trying to do, for instance, a research study of this is you have parents actually seeing their college students studying or not. Um, and so uh, we've gotten messages from parents who have said, um, my student's really struggling. Uh, and we've talked to students uh, who are saying, yeah, there are some dynamics here that, that uh, uh, are difficult. I think it's important for us to be careful though, because um, a pretty typical scenario is a college student who go, who's, who's forced back home because of COVID-19 and all of a sudden, their parents are working at home and they have a sibling or two who's working at home. Um, and so they're not able to set up anywhere but in their bedroom and their bedroom's not very well equipped uh, for, for this kind of work. Um, and so uh, there's the background of chaos and, and sort of families working in situations that even families aren't accustomed to where people can't really get out and in and out and go to work and that kind of thing. Uh, but I do think that um, students um, identified some of the value of being in a face-to-face -face context. When something's forced on you, you, in a, you, you deal with it a little bit differently than when it's a, a free choice uh, that you make. And, and so uh, we have really taken the mindset, and when I say we, I'm thinking about my students in my interpersonal communication class that I was teaching this semester uh, with a colleague. Um, we really believe that online education is better than nothing. That was really valuable. Mm. Um, but we don't think 
it's almost like being in a Geneva classroom face to face at all. It's doesn't it's a it's a poor approximation. It's a great solution in a crisis, but it's not our number one driver. Yeah, that's good. I yeah, we're going to come back. We're going to we're going to talk about that. Let's take a little break. When we come out of the break, Jason's got a question, and we're having a conversation about education, higher education, and how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting it. We'll be right back. Stick with us. If you enjoy listening to Youth Culture Matters and would like to support the ongoing efforts of this ministry, you can do so by visiting cpyu.org giving to make a donation. Your prayers and financial support make this podcast possible. Well, thanks for sticking with us here on Youth Culture Matters. We're here with a great group of individuals that are from Geneva College, and we're continuing our conversation on education and what to expect in the coming year. Many of us have experienced multiple changes, and as parents, I know that we're asking a lot of questions about what to expect when we return to school. Sticking a little a while longer, just with the conversation about online education, I would love to hear some thoughts that you could extend to parents about what you've seen and what they should expect in the future with the way that online educating might take place or has taken place or what you've learned. Yeah, this is um, uh, Jamie. I, I serve as the Dean of Student Development at uh, Geneva. And, um, you know, it's been uh, to Calvin's point earlier that, you know, entering online education unexpectedly and in a crisis uh, format obviously has some unique uh, implications. But I think there's a, a few things as a student development professional kind of working um, in the co-curricular and in, the, and in our context in the discipleship uh, realm with students and character formation. I think there's a few things that stick out. I think with online education, not every student um, is on equal footing. You know, uh, home situations vary, um, financial situations vary. And so really when we're on campus in a classroom, there's a leveling that happens. Um, uh, not that it's, you know, everybody's situation goes away when you're on campus, but there's a leveling that happens in a classroom when you're engaging a professor one-on-one -on -one that, um, you know, an online situation highlights some um, of the inequities that exist in, in people's personal situations. And so you have students that are overcoming um, significant challenges at home to learning that they don't necessarily have to navigate when they're on campus. And so um, from, a, from a care standpoint, from a support standpoint, um, you know, there are some real challenges in, in getting to students that typically we would be able to work directly with one-on-one, -on -one, whether that's in academics, whether that's in mental health, whether that's um, in any of those things that help a student thrive in their learning and in their study. Uh, so one of the things that we're having to think about um, creatively and innovatively is that as we consider uh, moving forward and if we would have to be online uh, uh, more so in the future is what does it look like to provide the type of um, support and resourcing online to students uh, in regards to those support services that um, uh, allow them to take full advantage of their learning because it just looks really differently online. So that's that's one thing um, that sticks out for sure. I think the one thing also that we're learning, um, you know, when you've only ever done online education, you don't really have anything to compare it to. Uh, and what's been really fascinating and, and for us, I think, um, really encouraging is that we have students who have had the classroom experience, who have had that intimate um, kind of um, learning environment with their faculty, life on life um, types of situations that are coming back and saying, well, wow, like my learning just isn't what it was when I was on cl in class. And, and so I don't think that that's so much a critique on um, uh, the online delivery it's as, as it is, is it's just a richer, um, learning experience in the classroom and those who have tasted it know what what limits online has and so 
um, the feedback we have is students have said faculty have done a great job adapting and maximizing the experience, but there there's just recognized loss and um, and I think that that's really critical for uh, a generation that has learned to relate solely online. Um, and and I think that this particular moment for for our students, for our nation, is that we we're really kind of faced to wrestle with the limits of building relationship, doing discipleship, doing learning um, in a in a solely virtual context. And I think that that will really actually be a big benefit for our students moving forward because I think they'll have more reasonable expectations of technology and, and, and how to use it and, and what they're missing when they're not engaging in other realms, if that makes sense. That's, that's a great, yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome answer. And this is one of the things I've been trying to tell parents, you know, we're concerned about screen time before the pandemic with kids. When you look at the numbers, then we're concerned going into it that kids are going to jump into their screens even more. But what I'm right. hearing is they're jumping in because they're bored. They're jumping in because yep. they're anxious. They're jumping in yep. for good reason because they want to connect with their peers, but they're getting tired of it. Mm-hmm. And they're really longing for the community, the, the real flesh and blood community that we've all been created for. Jason, I think you had another question. Yeah, well, I, I want to stay on just the conversation around parents because I think that a lot of parents, what I'm finding are having a lot of questions about not just what's happening now, but what's going to happen next year, right? Parents are, are really not sure what to do. My nephew is graduating from high school, going off to college next year. It's a state school. It's it, it may or may not have some of the same issues that you are facing. I'm sure many of the same ones, but also some different ones with the uh, aspect of Christian education. And so what are you sharing with parents as they're trying to prepare for that next season? Or maybe they have kids that are going to be returning as students and they've they've had two years of education at Geneva and now it's it, it might look a little bit different. And so what what is the message that you're communicating to parents in the midst of this season? Well, you know, Tony Turner uh, is our vice president for enrollment and marketing, and and he talks to parents and students who are thinking about these questions every day. So, Tony, maybe you could help us out with that. Yeah, that, uh, I'll jump in. You know, I, I think, uh, Jason, that's a really great question. And just talking with parents, um, you know, I think parents are over, overall, you know, concerned about, you know, uh, about multiple things. I, I think they're, they're concerned about, you know, number one, the safety of their, of their son or daughter attending college. Um, at the same time, though, what's been interesting is that parents are, are concerned about the educational uh, aspects of, of, of their son and daughter obtaining a good education. And so um, I, I think what we're seeing is parents um, are asking, how will a college deliver exceptional education quality um, for my son and daughter? As we kind of take a step back and look at the COVID situation that we're in, we have, we have undergone probably the biggest social science experiment <laughs> known in a very long time. We've had to shift education, not only on a college level, but, you know, K through 12 in a very short period of time. And so uh, as I've been talking with parents, I've been finding a lot of parents are saying, you know, re- really appreciate the efforts that schools are, are trying to deliver education. But we really long for our son and daughters to have that, that in in-person education experience. Um, and so that's been a common theme that I'm actually hearing from parents is that, will my son and daughter be able to come to college? And if they are going to uh, attend college, what are some safety protocols you're putting in place? And so we've been talking a lot with parents that these are some of the things that we're thinking through, um, you know, such as how we're going to facilitate, you know, dining, how we're gonna facilitate housing um, and, and those aspects. But the, the overarching uh, common thread we're hearing from parents is, is, is safety and community. Um, parents are really longing for their son daughter to have that college experience. It's almost, it's almost like a rite of passage in some ways. Uh, you, you talk about that college experience. And so uh, that, that has been on the forefront of a lot of parents' minds. And so they're asking, how will, how will colleges still deliver that type of experience in this new environment that, that we're in? because um, they're, they're aware of the challenges that we're facing, but they're still asking that really important question. 
um, which in some ways for me is kind of surprising uh, knowing the situation that we're in, um, but FEMS are still very hopeful uh, that we would have some type of on-ground experience. I think families now are experiencing uh, more and more the value of that face-to-face -face instruction. Um, I think more so now than they have before because they've had to be thrust into a, a unique online experience. Can I ask, what are you hearing and any of you can answer this, but what are you hearing from parents as, you know, we move three months down the road into the unknown, and boy, I, I would be right with all those parents who are communicating those things to you about, you know, the commu I have strong opinions about completely online education, and they're, I'll just be honest, they're not positive. I don't think they're real positive for students. I don't think they're positive for instructors, and I'm sure there's a lot of Dad, I've read some of it on this. You know, it's a. I know people have differing opinions on this, but if if you are looking at a situation where it's going to be difficult to get students back on campus, how do we answer concerns about? Uh, well, maybe for this year we'll just you know do the local community college, or we'll do a gap year, or you know, we'll just take a year off, not call it a gap year, but get into the workforce. I know, I know that people are considering those options. We fielded a lot of questions about that. Have you heard those? Have you, and if you have, how have you answered that? If you haven't heard it, or do you anticipate it? How, how will you answer it? I, I hope that's a fair question. No, I, yeah, well, I think it's a very fair question. Um, it has, it has come up. Uh, parents have been asking or have mentioned, you know, we might do a, a transition year where we'll do a community college. I, I, I think part of it boils down to what do the families feel is, is safe safe for them. Um, of course, at, at Geneva, we're, we're taking time to explain to families, you know, the safety measures that, that we're putting in place in order to protect our students, and, you know, and we're, we're getting outside, you know, counsel for that. But it does come down to a family decision in terms of what they feel is best. And we have families on both sides where they're, they feel very confident that um, with the measures that we're taking, uh, that they feel comfortable allowing the son and daughter to, to come. There are others that are still, you know, still navigating through that and, and want to um, wait, wait a year um, before they come to GM. And that's perfectly fine. Um, our, our goal is, is to, to articulate to families, these, these are the things that we've thought through, we've put together, we've, we've deliberated, to provide the best education we can in the midst of a, a current uh, pandemic, um, but you know, but but families, you know, we walk families through through that conversation because we realize it's it's difficult. Uh, there's always going to be concerns about you know uh, what are the effects of this, and you know, I, I think you know, looking back at, at scripture, you know, we have we have the promise of, of be careful for nothing, but by prayer and supplication make requests be made known unto God. Um, and the peace of God that passes all understanding should keep our hearts in Christ Jesus. And so uh, sometimes it's easier to, to quote that than actually to live it, um, especially when we can't really see, you know, the, you know, we physically can't see, you know, the virus coming down the street. Um, and so I, I think those, those things we, we keep in perspective as we talk with families. But the more that we communicate with families on what's happening, I think it puts families at a little bit of, uh, of ease because we're constantly communicating the efforts that, that we're putting forth to ensure, you know, the best education during this time. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, let's take another break and we'll come back. We'll finish up with a, with a final segment and uh, we've got some more questions here. We're having a conversation with Dr. Calvin Traup and members of the administration at Geneva College. I do want to say before we go to the break that uh, Calvin, I think you, did you mention that Jamie, who's in charge of student development, is she actually an attorney? Did you say that at the beginning? I did. She's got a doctorate. Oh, boy. Juris, That's, you know Juris what? doctor. Let me just say, I am grateful to God that I attended Geneva College under the tutelage of Carl Cunningham and Don Sullivan. Neither of those were attorneys, because if they had been <laughs> attorneys, we would not be having this conversation right now. So... Yeah, student okay. development. I love those guys. Yeah, I just thought that was funny. We have an attorney in student development, right? Student Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. Well, let's take a break. We'll be right back. 
How has the coronavirus pandemic and stay-at-home order affected your family? One of the many good things that has come out of this crisis is that families are spending more time together. In fact, families are rediscovering the joy of sitting down at the dinner table together to share a meal and time in conversation. And as we navigate the questions, fear, and anxiety that have come with living in this cultural moment, we realize that our kids are ripe and ready to hear the truths of God's Word. We've been given a great opportunity to nurture our children and teens in the faith. Here at CPYU, we've launched a family table talk initiative designed to provide your family with tools to help you dig deeper into and apply God's Word. We've recruited a team of gifted thinkers and writers to create several weeks' worth of Family Table Talk daily devotional guides. The guides give you a scripture passage to read together at the dinner table, some commentary on the passage to spark your thinking, some questions to help you apply and discuss what you've read, and a short prayer to pray together. These Family Table Talk devotional guides are all free. To access them for download and printing, simply go to our website at cpyu.org, that's cpyu.org, and click on the link for these brand new Family Table Talk guides. Thanks for listening to Youth Culture Matters. We're continuing our conversation with many individuals from Geneva College, and so we're excited to continue this dialogue I want to go back uh, to something that we said during the break, and it's the aspect of some of the most surprising outcomes during this time, uh, That some of the things that you're seeing. And Jamie, you were mentioning this, and I would love for you just to share with our listeners some of those elements, some of those outcomes, some of those things that you're seeing that are surprising but actually could be quite beneficial. Yeah, and and I don't want to as a Geneva alum, don't want to dope too much on our community, but just have been so blessed by um, our community's response to this. And I think a lot of it goes back to, uh, we've talked about as a leadership team and, and Calvin has brought us back to this kind of the capital that comes with relationship, that those relationships have been forged. And um, so when we're in crisis, those relationships support, um, help us to support each other in the situation. But the one of the things that's just been, so overwhelming um, to see has been um, the creativity that's come out of our students, um, them being able to look at situations where, hey, this would be what they would want, but it's not what we can give right now in this uh, historical moment. And their ability to recognize that, state that, see that, adjust, adapt, um, to show care for one another, um, um, uh, President Trump and I had opportunity to sit with our student government um, a little while back and just to kind of hear how they were experiencing the um, the the pandemic and in their learning. And, you know, he asked the question, you know, what have you learned about Geneva? What have you learned, you know, through this situation? And so many of their answers were directed towards um, care for one another and awareness of each other and and just this kind of heightened, almost maturity that the situation has brought out of them, um, um, being innovative, taking leadership, taking initiative. And when we look at employers, what we're, we're learning from employers over the last couple of years is they're saying, hey, some of these types of things, resiliency, uh, prudence, uh, adaptability, um, awareness of others and team, um, generationally has been suffering. And so it just feels like we have this unique moment and the moment has forced us um, as a society uh, to have to grapple um, in different ways with the way that we move. And I think our students are just going to really come out of this with a unique opportunity um, to have some tools in their tool belt at the next level. And I think as educators, um, it's gonna be a lot of fun to help them process that and, and, and see them mature. Uh, as a result, so. You know, one of the questions that we talked about a few minutes ago was how would somebody decide whether they should have uh, uh, their student go back uh, to an on-campus place? And and uh, I, I've been in higher education uh, my whole professional life. And the question that people don't ask is who are they going to? Who are they going to? People look at degree programs and they look at dorms and they look at all kinds of important things. These are important things. Um, 
but the question that that the apostle Paul, uh, what he impresses on Timothy in Second Timothy three, is remember from whom you learned these things. And um, uh, and where who we're sitting under and who we're sitting with and who we're working with is an incredibly important question. One of the things that I've been talking, we've been having chapel on the grid, which goes against everything I believe in in terms of technology uh, and is essential at the same time. So we so we had to go to chapel on the grid. And one of the things I was trying to impress on our students was this. None of this has taken Jesus Christ by surprise in the least. None of this has taken him by surprise. He's the king of all creation and the king of uh, and, and the king of all nations. And so this isn't a surprise to him. And he has actually been preparing us to walk through this moment for people who are committed to Christ. Um, he's been preparing us and he has a way for us through it. Um, He's been preparing us in advance. Now, we didn't know it. <laughs> we didn't know what was coming, but he knew what was coming and brought us into it. Um, and we see him doing this with the disciples. And we see him speaking to people all through the scripture about what he was preparing them to do and how he was moving them through difficult times. And, um, and I covet people's presence with our faculty and staff because... That's at the lifeblood of what happens at Geneva College, is that we really believe that the presence of the Lord in Christ matters in these moments dramatically. And being in a classroom or being in a residence hall or being in the different places that we work with people who are older brothers and sisters in Christ, who have questions too. Not all the answers, but to think through with people um, over a distanced meal <laughs> or in a distance classroom, you know, in person, but at a distance with all the safety measures. That's a huge value um, that we are inviting people back into who are able to come. And if they need to wait a year, that's fine with us. That's fine. Uh, if they need to, um, if they're in an at-risk population and they need to participate with us in a virtual format, that's an okay option for us. We, we're, we're working through the details of how to make sure that people can continue to have the highest quality Christian education um, that's rigorous, high expectations, and then to provide the support even at a distance that Jamie was talking about. Mm. Calvin, what you're talking about here is, you know, the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, the way that God is working. I, I really appreciate the fact that you remind us that none of this is a surprise to our Lord and Savior. And, you know, when you really understand providence, you realize not only that God is doing something and has prepared us for this, but through our pain and through our suffering, which we by and large in our culture today try to avoid. God is uh, conforming us more and more into his image, and he's also preparing us for whatever is next. And, you know, as I think about that, there, there was a—we're uh, going to see this. At some point, we're going to see this, and I think all of you have mentioned that great things are going to come out of this because God is in control. I think about the story of—I keep going back during the pandemic to the story of Joseph, you know, when he finally faces his brother's and reveals himself, you know, what you guys meant for harm, or in this case, what the enemy has meant for harm and for damage, uh, God has used for good. And that's the providence of God. And I saw a quote, I ran across a quote from the Puritan John Flavel the other day, mm -hmm. where he basically said, and I'll paraphrase it here, but he said, you know, the providence of God is a lot like reading Hebrew or a Hebrew word. It doesn't make sense until you look at it backwards. And I know that down the road we're going to be able to look backwards at this. And, and I truly believe these uh, young men and young women who are graduating from high school, these young men and these young women who are at Geneva and other colleges, universities, they're going to think back on this. And, and I, I think if they, if they take that perspective, they're going to see increasingly with, with greater and greater clarity exactly what God is doing now, but it, it, it'll be down the road. And...
So as you as you think about that, you know, have you heard your students? And I'm just I'm just going to lean into Geneva right here because this was a big part of my education, and I know it still is. Have you heard your students process this with some depth, you know, from an understanding theologically of who God is and how He works in our lives? Uh. Jamie's going to be able to talk to the, talk to this one. Uh, I, I would just say the meeting that Jamie and I had with our student government leadership was all about that. Mm. Uh, the, the beautiful thing about it was they were concerned for their classmates for the very same things we were concerned about. I have it pretty I have it pretty well here, but I'm worried about my friends who are in a difficult home situation. I'm worried about my friends who don't have the kind of food access that I have. I'm worried about my friends who have at-risk people in their household or they're at risk. Um, and the Lord's going to take care of them and we're praying for them. Um, uh, and I heard that from my class, my students in my class as well, processing things um, in, a, in really a season of life appropriate and above level. Um, in terms of the things that are that are most important from uh, from the perspective uh, of the Lord. And that's not every Geneva student. Um, that's not every Geneva student. Uh, a lot of us as Geneva students, that didn't really catch on until we were juniors or seniors. <laughs> and maybe for some of us, after we got out, uh, there were a lot of uh, uh, there were a lot of. Uh, things that were set in motion that we didn't really understand until we got uh, five or 10 years out of Geneva College, but uh, that's by design. I think one to tag onto that a little bit, um, and, and to Calvin's point, I think, you know, our students are processing it differently based on, you know, their situation and, and what they're navigating and their families are navigating, you know. Um, but that said, I think one of the markers, uh, that I've come to use with 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 my team when we're looking at, hey, are students developing? Are they maturing? Um, is that reality that, you know, as we become adults, um, part of being an adult, a parent, a leader, a supervisor is recognizing that your decisions impact other people um, and taking ownership of that and also understanding that it's not just about consuming, that it's about contributing. And I think what I've heard a lot of our students processing in the moment is, well, how do I contribute? How do I uh, offer myself in this moment? You know, student leaders who are home coming back and saying, all right, like I got a lot going on. I'm pretty overwhelmed with this transition to online learning, but you know, how can I help? How can I get involved? Are there students that, you know, um, uh, aren't connecting with a lot of people that I can reach out to? Um, and I think that that's significant. I think that's significant for a generation to to recognize that they have something to offer, that they have something to contribute, that they have responsibility. In the, in the, wow, this is really hard and woe is me and how is this impacting me? But seeing students starting to say, yeah, I've had that moment, we've grieved it and we've invited our community into that grief. That's a very natural part of this process is grieving that you know, things didn't turn out the way that we had hoped and commencement has to be on hold for a minute. Uh, so it's not to deny that there's uh, grief that uh, doesn't need to be processed and having authentic conversations with our students, but watching them have those and then move into, okay, well now, now what, what is my role? What is my responsibility? And I'm just super proud of our community in that and proud of our students and, and really excited to process with them more because um, I'm sure there's a lot of learning that's happened that we haven't even had a chance to to hear from from them on yet, and so that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, suffering yeah. and well, suffering and difficulty do that. It's an amazing, amazing uh, school, the school of suffering and difficulty, and and I know a lot will be learned through that. I know we need to close this out, and I really uh, well, yes. Oh, sorry. I was just going to add one more thing. If that's sure, a, if that's sure, okay. absolutely. Uh, I was going to say, you know, the few students that, you know, if I interacted with, particularly some freshmen that are now going to be sophomores and a few others, I think a lot of them are, are when they're, when they transition from being on campus and back home and facing the realities of their home situation, mom and dad, you know, one of them has lost a job and 
things like that and just talking with some of the students and saying, you know, I didn't realize how much my parents were sacrificing while I was in college. And so, you know, I'm talking with students who are working extra shifts and, and working jobs and trying to do school. And so in some ways, I think it's, it's this situation is forcing them to grow up a little bit faster where they're realizing, well, there's a lot to life than just going to college and just going to class. And so just talking with students and they're still having good spirits, but just trying to juggle all those different things and, and, and really have an appreciation for just family and the sacrifices and growing through that, I, I think uh, it builds that resiliency and that stick to that that I, in the conversation I'm having with students, they're saying, you know, wow, I really appreciate this experience because of all the things I'm learning, um, not only about myself, but also just with my own family that I've never really had to experience before. And so I think there's a lot of things that are happening now that I think a lot of our students haven't encountered before because of what's happening with their mom and dad. Um, and so I think there's a lot of things that are, that are happening in a family unit structure um, that are kind of that blessing in disguise that I think families are, are having to communicate more, have to build relationships more because they can't really go out as much. They're, they're, they're having those family times of dinner together. They're finding creative ways to, to keep each other engaged. And so um, I, I think those things are, are, are really valuable uh, things are happening now that I don't think were happening as much before this. And so I think that's a really uh, a, a precious jewel that we can appreciate uh, through the current situation. Mm. I, and I really appreciate you sharing that, Anthony, because, you know, one of the things I'm going to take away from this discussion we're having here is instead of focusing on the negatives, we're seeing so many positives of what the Lord is doing in individual lives, for institutions, for families, um, and ultimately, I, I, you know, believe for our culture. So this is a good thing. I, you know, one of the encouragements that I want to give to parents who are listening and, and the students who are struggling now, you know, through all this, wondering about the future, is after we hear these folks who are administrators from Geneva College talk about what's been going on for them and at their institution, which really they're speaking, you know, for everybody in, in some way, shape, and form, is that instead of, you know, getting, getting lost in our complaints or in our fears, uh, I want to encourage folks to really pray for the people who are making these decisions, the people at Geneva or whatever school, you know, your, your students or you are attending or you're looking forward to going to. And I, I want to ask them, the ones who are still with us here, if each of them would just give us something specific that we can be praying for as we enter into the summer months and the unknown of what's going to happen when the fall semester begins. So why don't we start? Let's start with Anthony, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, for, for me um, is that families would have a, a real peace um, j just uh, about what their plans are for education this fall, whether it's online or, you know, face-to-face, -face, the families would have peace. I think there's just a lot of uncertainty among family members, just should I, should I go to college, should I not? And just there's a lot of different news pieces out there from I should go, shouldn't go, and why. And so just I really pray, you know, my, for peace and, and clarity for, for families who are, are really – trying to make a, a really sound decision on, on what to do in this next phase. Mm, that's good. That's good. And, and we're going to pray for you, Anthony, because you're on the front lines there, you know, in, in uh, you know, with, stu with the students in terms of admissions and things. And we know you're having these conversations, so we'll pray for wisdom. Who's next? Uh, I can jump in. Um, I think one thing that I would, would say would be just for, um, our team, um, faculty and staff, to just have um, eyes to see and ears to hear. I think uh, this situation has a collective impact, but um, it'll be um, experienced very individually based on, um, you know, family circumstances. And, um, you know, we have open enrollment, and so some of our students are coming um, with a really strong lifelong faith and others that are really new to faith and new to the 
um, <clears throat> and new to the conversation of the gospel. And so just that we would, in the fullness of this season and all that it's requiring uh, administratively and educationally, that the Lord would just give us the capacity to um, to see our students well, and especially right now from a distance, and to be able to to do the individual ministry that we desire to do uh, so that our students really can develop fully into what God has for them. Mm, that's good. That's good. Calvin, I think you're the last one on the call with us. I'm not I sure. am. Yeah. I am. I'm here. Good. Uh, and I think I, I think that's right. I I think that the um uh that the thing I would want us to pray for for Geneva specifically, but for everyone, is that we would uh, keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um and and I really love C.S. Lewis's um, in Prince Caspian uh, when the children go back to Narnia and and um, uh, and Aslan is with them, but only Lucy has really had a glimpse of him, and and she needs to fix her eyes on him, and he's right there. It's not a distant look. It's a close look, and then to follow. Uh, because what we're what we most want to do at Geneva is to hear and do. Uh, it's a recurring theme in Scripture: hear and do, and word and deed. And in times like these, it's very easy to get distracted. Um, it's easy to get distracted by the media, the circumstances, the concerns of the day. And we need to not be distracted. We need to be have our eyes and our ears fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, um, because it's precisely in times like these that he will guide our paths uh, and does. And we've had that experience even in the last six weeks, even in the last week um, that that he will guide us. But we we have to be able to find our contentment in him. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be convenient. But we can have real peace and contentment in walking with him and keeping our eyes fixed on him on the walk. And that and I really we really need that because from a leadership perspective, wow, I mean, it's just there's it's swirling. Mm. It's a swirling context. It's um, uh, and we're not going to find our own way through it. That's not a that's not a possible option. So that's what I pray that we'd fix fix our eyes and ears on Christ. That's good. Hey, Chris is telling me he thinks Melinda is still connected on Skype, so let's go to her if she's here. Good. I am here. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, well, I think Calvin wrapped it up pretty pretty well there, but I would, I would uh, ask parents to um, pray for fruitful um, growth uh, academically in the fall, um, and I'll just giving that perspective in my role over the academic program and um, that whatever we have to do uh, and our own personal bias is for in-classroom instruction, but whatever that looks like in higher education, that students would be able to grow um, academically, emotionally, spiritually um, with their connections with their faculty um, in the fall. Uh, and I think uh, Calvin's comment about it's important from whom you learn, I think that's so true. And um, my own son is going to be a freshman at Geneva next year, and that's so important to me. So I just want to um, ask for uh, folks to pray that those fruitful growth conversations and academic outcomes would be true. Mm, thank you. This is so good. You know, uh, this morning I was I was reading in Psalm 11, which— uh, is one of my favorite psalms, and there's a, a there are a couple of verses in there, verses three and four, that I think are really timely right now. They came to mind as as I was listening to you, and the psalmist asks, "When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do?" And and I love the answer because it's not like a you know like a one two three do this or A B C you know take these steps and everything like great. It's an answer of fact that says the Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. Uh, he observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. And, and just the fact that God is in control 
in the midst of all this when we feel like perhaps things are, are falling apart. And so I appreciate so much you folks coming on. Calvin, Anthony, Melinda, Jamie, thanks so much. Thanks for what you're doing. I feel like my Geneva degree gained value today you know, <laughs> just by listening to you. And and so I appreciate that so much. And, and we're going to ask God's blessing on you. I do want to mention that, as always, that anything that we've mentioned here on the podcast, and we include links on our homepage, cpyu.org. Go to look for this episode and the player. I know a lot of you get your podcasts. You subscribe elsewhere. But if you go back to cpyu.org and look at the player, we'll include some links underneath, and we'll include a link to Geneva College. I know some of you are interested in hearing more about the school. I know you've heard a lot today, and and these folks have represented the school well. So we're grateful for them. Uh, Jason, thank you for being on here. And for everyone for joining us, uh, we'll talk to you the next time on the next episode of Youth Culture Matters. Thanks for joining us for Youth Culture Matters, a podcast from the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. If you'd like to learn more about today's youth culture, visit our website at cpyu.org. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, email us at podcast at cpyu.org.